Okay, that's another important thing. Yeah, uh, no, number six, focus, yeah. Yes, you need to focus on the audience and think what they will feel after your performance. So mm. uh, many times I see that uh, people that sell stuff, for example, or, or um, performers, they think too much me, 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 and very, very few of them, they think about audience. So remember always, before you go on stage, make this question to to yourself say how can I uh, emotion my audience how can I um, you know how can I uh, how can I connect with them what I can give to them uh, which are you know the the, the the quality of my which kind of um, uh, how can I say uh, emotion I can give to the audience uh, you know all, make yourself all these kind of questions you know Remember that you are there to give something to to the people and not only to show off. Mm. You know, I see many mentalists or performers or magicians, they show they, they are on stage to show the audience how good they are, but they forget that you are there they are there to entertain people because you know, at the end of the the end of the day the people want to have a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they come to see your show because they want to enjoy, they want to have Maybe uh, they want to laugh. They want to try something <coughs> emotional. If you see David Copperfield, when when you see David Copperfield show, it looks like you're watching a movie. You're not look. It doesn't look like you're watching a magic show. And that's what really you know. You need to pay attention to that. You know, you talk about the story of the father. You see all the story that makes you cry. But then after that, you laugh and then you are amazed. You know, you try you. You feel so many different emotions that at the end you say, "Oh man, it was a magic show, it was a movie." <laughs> you know, so that's very important. Remember also and ask yourself what I can give to my audience. You know, before doing my show or before doing my my speech. You know, when I talk about motivational stuff, when I do this kind of thing we're doing now on stage. I always stay with the idea, okay, I'm telling these things to you because I wanted to use them. I wanted to put these things in practice because if they help me going through my, you know, my career, I know they will help you too. So I'm not telling you these things just because, you know, I'm here to talk with you, but I'm telling these things with passion and because I believe in them. And I know that if you use them, you are going to be successful. Thank you very much for sharing all this with us, Luca. But I actually have a question for you because you're in a bit of a unique situation where you are the Italian mentalist and you go internationally and you're talking about thinking of your audience right now and building emotion out of them. Do you have to change your tone or the way your show is based off of just the different cultures that you go into? Like how much research do you have to do before that, if any, um, before you actually give your show? Well, I work with different audience, uh, also because I have a very good experience on the cruise ship shows. I've done many cruise ship gigs and stuff. And cruise ships uh, is very mixed audience. Uh, you know, you can find people from... Are you there? Can you yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, okay. No, there are many, many different audience. You know, you have like uh, people coming from a different parts of Europe, but also mix them up. You know, you have American, European, all different cultures. Now, is in this case, you need to pay, pay attention on the kind of uh, humor you use because sometimes, you know, for some people can be a little bit uh, not offensive, but, you know, maybe they don't, they don't get in the right way the, the humor you use. Mm. So uh, 
in this case I'm a little bit more um, like calm, okay? Less I cheeky. Uh, yes, less cheeky. <laughs> I don't push too much, but again, I'm still who I am. That's very important. Mm -hmm. I don't lose my brand. I don't lose. Uh, I don't shut up my image or my, uh, you know, my persona. I'm still who I am, but maybe a little bit more calm. You know, like mm. you say, less cheeky. But still, I'm very recognizable. You know, when I do my uh, emotional act, I don't know if you saw my fist act on YouTube. If you check Luca Volpe FISM act, that was the championship of magic. Wow. I I actually went there with a, a very different act from, you know, from all the performers. Because when you think uh, the championship championship of magic, which is, you know, with the FISM, which is one of the most important magic competition in the world, mm -hmm. you think, okay, he's going, you know, I'm going with something huge, something big, you know, to, to impress the audience. I went with something very small. I was just me and a lady sitting on a table talking about removing the self-limiting belief. And if you see that video, you will actually feel the silence of 3,000 people in the audience. And it was all magicians. So you can actually, in the applause at the end, how they actually felt emotional. In that moment, I, you know, I, I didn't win I, I, because it was there. Uh, actually, uh, the winner was the... the um, no, the duo, uh, Luke Anka was second, and uh, Emily and Tommy Emily was the first one. You know, when you have duo mentalists, no chance that you can win. But, uh -huh. you know, I, I arrived in a, in a good place anyway. <coughs> mm -hmm. and, and then the year after, with the same act, I won the Nostradamus Door, the first place in France. So I, I kept insisting with that act because I knew that it was worth it. And actually, I won the first prize in Europe. Oh, wow. Uh, for me, that act is means something because I say, look, you know, you can actually win with emotion. You cannot, you don't only win with amazing stuff, but you can actually win touching people emotion. So, as you can see, I have all this moment also in my show, and for me, it's very, very important to, to again, because you know, Italians are emotional and romantic. So I say, why not to actually include these kind of things in my show? And that act is one of the things I do, you know, emotional things I do. So um, that's it, really. You know, I, I'm always myself. And is it easy to pursue a career and as a mentalist and to, is it easy to find jobs? Is it easy? Was it easy for you? Maybe if someone who's listening wants to pursue a entertainment career, how's that? Well, uh, I always say that, you know, choices are making our destiny so if you choose to be a performer you need to embrace everything is going to happen as a performer you know when i was uh, i've studied in the conservatory of music organ piano and music composition music composition okay wow and uh, at the same time yeah and i was also doing magic and stuff at one point of my life i had to choose to be a teacher and going in a school every day and teaching people music or embrace the career as a performer, which is a big question mark because you never know how it's going on. You, know, mm -hmm. what is going, you don't know what is going to happen. And, uh, and I decided uh, the uncertain. But the thing is that, you know, the choice is, uh, you know, if you go out from your comfort zone, if you decide that that is your future, you are going to make it, no matter what happens. You know, it all depends 
is not destiny. I, I don't believe in that. I think that we are making our destiny. And the destiny is all about choices that we make. The choice will change our life completely. So if you want to become a good performer, a good motivational speaker, or whatever you want to become, you need to believe in yourself. And you need to be, you know, uh, you need to give faith to your choice because sooner or later it will give you the su success you need. Uh, and it's not easy, obviously. You need to go through a lot of closing doors, but also a lot of doors they will open. But oh. you need to keep insisting and keep it believing. You know, starting for, from very small, I've been doing, you know, kids' party, everything, everything. And then slowly, slowly you grow up. But you need to go out from your comfort zone. And that's very important because a lot of people say, no, you know, I, I do this, I'm okay, and then I do something else. But at the end, what you feel, you, you will feel, you will not be content because you are mm -hmm. not reaching your desire, your goal. And that's the point. If you really believe in that, embrace everything is going to happen with that choice. And you will see that you pursue your career. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, that was a great response for yeah. those people who will definitely have that question. Thank you. Now, what's tip oh. number, we're going to tip number seven now. What's tip number seven? Yeah, we kind of addressed this before and is use the right tonality where the moment that you do your uh, speech, the moment that you communicate with people, because tonalities are really, really important. You know, uh, don't be monotonal. Don't mm -hmm. monotonal. How do you say it in uh, mono. Yeah, Don't have a monotone. Don't have a monotone. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, you want to create a kind of wave in your speech, in your communication. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to be energetic, but at the same time, you want to gay. Uh, you want to be a little bit emotional. You want to give the people uh, um, more like uh, feelings and why this is important because when you change tonality you actually bring more attention you know for example uh, I know people and for example also people that's motivational talk they are continuously screaming all the time and I understand that this brings attention but if you do this for an hour you actually <laughs> kill the whole brain <laughs> You know, and that's really bad. So you want to create, because you can create attention even speaking very, very slow. You know, you can create attention uh, just even just being completely silent. I do one thing in my show where I actually don't talk for a, for a, for a few seconds and you see the people just, you know, completely silent and they think, oh, what is going on? You know, they, they actually... <coughs> There is even more attention when I'm not talking. You know, it's crazy. So you want to create a kind of wave of tonality in your communication skills because that's very important. We actually have, like, different kind of tonalities, you know, especially in sales. Uh, mm -hmm. When I, I wrote my books, which is called Maggi della Vendita, which if you want to translate in English is, a ma you know, Mag magician of selling, something like that, mm -hmm. and it actually is an Amazon. It's for uh, it's in, in Italian, obviously, and it's going actually really well. And the thing is, in that book, I actually teach seven kind of tonalities that you can use uh, during your uh, speech uh, in sales. But what for us is important for communication skills are two very important, which is energetic tonality. And the emotional, the emotional tonality. Mm -hmm. That tonality is very important because it helps to grab attention and to communicate better with the, with the people. 
you know, it's huge what you were saying. And there are so many different contexts where you do that. But the thing that you were talking about, about being silent for a bit, I know Aurus actually, in a lot of his speeches, he'll start to get people's attention. He just will go on stage and he won't say anything for a bit. So it's definitely a huge, huge thing that you can do because people aren't good with that silence. And they're like, what's going to happen? Exactly. You see, great minds speak alive. So. <laughs> yes, they do. Thank you. So what's number eight, uh, Luca? <clears throat> number eight. Now, that's very important and not many people does. If possible, use storytelling in your speech when you mm. communicate mm. with people. Now, our brain is engaged by stories because we want to know how a story will end, right? So, if possible, during your speech, though, during your show, even if you present, you know ours, because, yes. you know, especially in magic tricks, you can create, like, a story, you know, there are storytelling magic. Yes, there is, yeah, now, lots of it. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you actually put some storytelling, now, let's say that you're doing a speech or something, you know, even if you're selling a product, just add inside a story about you or a story about the client of something that happened to your client using this product or something happened to you doing these things. You know, and if possible also, this is a very important tip. Try to spread this story through your, um, your speech. So what this means, if you start your speech and you start to tell a story and then you stop and then you continue with your speech and then again you put another little piece of the story what happening that you're spreading the story during your speech the people is hooked because they want to know how it's going to happen yeah mm-hmm. you know so and this is very important again it's like a magic show right you can have a, a theme a magic show with a specific theme where you start the story and the story end at the end of the show so the people actually see the beginning at the end and they want to know what's happening and and then you can use this also in a, in, a, in a speaking way. When you communicate, if you put a story in it, you hook people because they want to know what is going to happen, what, how the story will end. So always try to use a little story, a storytelling in your speech. Mm-hmm. It also actually that psychologically works as well because people remember stories better than they do facts because it has a chain of events. So they'll be exactly. able to remember logic. So they'll remember what you say and you'll be more memorable to them if you use stories. Yeah, and that staying to this topic, you know, you always need to remember that we have three different ways to to understand, to perceive, um, you know, uh, people, you know, uh, communication uh, or speeches. You know, we have auditory, synesthetic, and uh, you know, uh, what was auditory, synesthetic, uh, and how you say the other one? Uh, uh, it's good. it's kinesthetic. Auditory, auditory, auditory and, and visual, visual and no, visual. visual visual auditory visual auditory and kinesthetic okay kinesthetic visual auditory now these three elements are very important because mm-hmm. some people understand and follow you by feeling some people understand uh, you following by visual aid and some people do some auditory aid so when you talk try to cover the three um, way to communicate with people you know, if you say if you say something, use some visual cue mm-hmm. or even uh, uh, feelings. For example, if I tell you, oh, yesterday I went to a spa and, and you know, I hear the birds a noise from my room. And then I went in this room where it was very <coughs> hot, but then very cold. And, uh, and, you know, and I was actually feeling the water under my feet. Now, as you can say, in this sentence, I actually use all your three uh, a way to perceive 
auditory, kinesthetic, and visual. So I make you, uh, you know, feel and see the birds. I, I make you uh, feel the cold, you know, and I, I talk in this in different ways because there's people that understand in this uh, uh, more, for example, in a visual lay, uh, way and less in a kinesthetic. So, for example, if you're selling a product and you see, and this is why I say pay attention when the people talk, because if they talk in visual way, for example, they say, oh, did you see what's happened yesterday to this person? You understand that this person is a talking in the visual way. So to make her better understand what you're going to say, if you use a visual aid, they will be helpful because they will connect with you very quickly. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And you can appeal to all the different audiences then. Like even if one area of what you're saying doesn't appeal to them, the other area will. So you get to tap into everybody. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. But tell us, what's uh, tip number nine, Luca? Tip number nine, that's also addressed a little bit before, but that's important. Pay attention to your body language. I noticed that people spend more time thinking what to say, but mm -hmm. not how to say. You know, and that's very important because our body language is uh, one of the first way we have to communicate with people. The way we walk on stage, the way we use the stage, the facial expression uh, in a specific moment or out of speech, for example, everything makes a great performance. And again, that's very important. Soon you go on stage, as soon you want to communicate with someone, pay attention to your body language. I, I, you know, I've mastered body language. I have two masters in neurolinguistic programming, all these kind of things. Mm. And I actually teach people these things because uh, even you know when I follow team sales, they know the product, but they don't know how to you know to present themselves. Mm -hmm. they, 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 you know, the, the way they they sit is wrong. The way they <coughs> They standing is wrong. The way they 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 stand in front of someone is wrong, you know. And we need to pay attention to all these things. And especially if we are on stage, I see many performers that just stay there with their hands in their pocket, you know, in one point of the stage, and that's you know makes the people feeling very very weird, you know. You feel there's something in wrong. Mm -hmm. If you walk in the stage, if you use the stage. You know, that's a completely because you make the people understand that you are in control. You know, when you show the palm of your hands, it means that you are open to them. You know, there are all little tips in body language, especially on stage, they help you a lot. You know, the, the, the eye contact with the people when you talk, look at the audience, address someone in the audience, smile, look around, you know, grab the audience. When you go on stage, go with the idea that you are in control. If you have, if you go on stage with this idea, everything will be a lot more easy. Interesting. Now, just um, before we go into tip number ten, uh, Luca, I'm just curious. Uh, for the NLP, are you able? First of all, I'm just curious. Are, how, 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 how many languages can you speak? I speak English, Italian, and Spanish. See, ¿Sí? hablas español. Yeah, un poquito, hablo español también. Uh, chévere, cool. Sorry, guys, uh, for those who don't speak Spanish. Okay, you're just cool. Now, so I'm, I'm just curious. So when it comes to all this body language, but most importantly, like the NLP stuff, yeah. you can do it in all three languages, right? Yes, let's say Spanish. I am not super good in Spanish, but I actually learned Spanish because I worked in Spain uh, for six months. Wow. And I, ha I had to learn. So uh, I started to talk with people and almost forced myself. And actually, I, I actually 
I can speak in Spanish. I talk with Spanish people. I can do my show in Spanish, no problem. Wow, that's very uh, good. But uh, but you know, I know what <clears throat> I I need to know. You know, I'm not like in English. I can actually speak easily. But um, even sometimes I forget some words. But but it's fine. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but in NLP, well, it's, you know, I think it's the same thing, because the concepts are always the same. Obviously, you just need to change the language. Even if I notice something very strange, and that's the truth, you know. Especially if in um, you do some hypnosis stuff. I'm not an hypnotist, okay? No. But the power of words in English are a lot stronger than Italian or Spanish. Interesting. You know, if for example you say the word sleep, you know. It looks stronger than if you they, if you say dormi. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it looks stupid if you say in Italian. It looks not so authoritarian. You know, if you say the word sleep, it looks much stronger. And I've noticed that, you know, in the mentalism shows uh, where I actually present, you know, even if you say the word self-limiting belief, wow, it sounds incredible. If you say in Italian pensieri limitanti, it, it's kind of, you know. It, it goes down, you know, uh-huh. we, we talk about tonality, you know, <clears throat> it, it kind of keeps a little bit down, you know, it's not so strong like in English. So sometimes I have to find other words that are not maybe mean exactly the same thing, but are strong enough to be perceived in another language. Mm. Mm, that's fascinating. Okay, good. I, I, I just wanted to ask that. Thank you for answering. Now, Sorry. the last but not least... The goal, the last golden nugget. What is the tenth tip you have for the rest of the audience this evening on this podcast? Well, this to recap everything, you need to remember that knowledge is king. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind all the best communicators in the world, they are hungry to learn as much as they can about their craft. And always you need to think that in order to be successful, you need to become the best in what you do. And there are no excuses. I always this. I always say this: that confidence comes from competence. Now, if you are competent in what you do, if you know a lot about your field, you are going to communicate better because there will be nothing that will make you, you know, nervous. Like we say in the beginning, because if you know what you're talking about, you go there, you rock it, and you are. A good communicator you know so if you know your field if you study the, as much as you can everything really not only about your field you are going to become a great communicator it's so true what you're saying and guys like that's just the long and short of it the fastest way to becoming successful or becoming good in communicating is learn your stuff the fastest way is the longest way as well just Know your stuff. Work hard, guys. That's it. It's just as I said. Read books. Go to seminars. Talk. To, actually, one of the most important ones. Talk to people. Mm-hmm. Like communicate everything you learn from a podcast or a book or a seminar. Actually, put it to practice. See what works for you or what doesn't work for you. And what doesn't work for you, look. look find alternatives. Like what Luca mentioned. Knowledge is king. Learn more. And I'm telling you, the they say a lot of times. The more you learn, the more you earn. That's what they say. Exactly. And the confidence comes <clears throat> from confidence. That's yes. very important. You know? So more you know, more you're confident being in front of the audience. That's very true. That's so true, Luca. Luca, if people want to find you or contact you or hire you or whatever the case is, where can they find you? Tell them where to find you. Pro- promote yourself. Yes, my website is uh, lucavolpe.com, which is L-U-C-A-P-O-L-P-E.com. 
and there there are all my contacts uh, all my you know number and uh, emails that uh, you can cotton me uh, you know I do like corporate shows all around the world and uh, and motivational speech I teach sales marketing all these kind of things so uh, people is welcome to contact me and uh, ask me everything they need and then for mentalists that they actually want to improve their performance I have uh, uh, my mentalism consulting program on three levels which is silver uh, gold and platinum and I help people from all around the world actually prepare shows for them wow. and I, I cover everything from them from the preparing brand new shows routine staging I cover all the business side and actually have people from America from Asia everywhere in the world they actually join my mentalism consulting program and they are actually working really good they completely change their <coughs> life there are actually some uh, testimonials on my youtube channel which is youtube.com slash luca volpe where you can see all my videos and all the testimonials everything all right luca thank you so much we really appreciate thank you so much for joining us on this podcast we really appreciate it and uh Aliza and i we can't wait to get those tickets thank you <laughs> yeah we're looking thank forward you guys. thank you all right, Lucas, so we'll, we'll be speaking. Guys, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Aliza, any last words? Guys, really take everything that he said to heart. He mentioned some really, really good stuff, and he broke it down for you so well. So everyone, listen very careful. Get your notebooks out. Take some notes. Apply it to your lives. Guys, thank you guys so much. And, of course, till next time. Hello, everyone. This is Aurus Julia Sanchez with my co-host. Aliza Abramson. And today's another episode of Converse with Anyone, Anywhere. And we're super excited because we have a very special guest today, Aliza. Extremely special. Can you tell us who it is, Aldous? Yes, his name is uh, Aaron Griffin. Now, he's very interesting. We, Aliza and I, we actually met him at a, uh, at a networking slash business event called uh, Bold Worldwide Event. And we met him. And as soon as we met Mr. Griffin, Aaron... He is this big jumble of joy, and he <laughs> is so happy, enthusiastic, but even though he has these amazing qualities, do not underestimate him. His, business, his business skills are amazing. Extremely. And you know what actually impressed us? Before we even heard about his background, you could see just a little bit about how professional he was and how on point his questions were during the entire conference. But then we started talking to him because we were like, who is this guy with the awesome questions? And then we found out his background. Aurus, can you tell us a little bit about his background? Well, I mean, I don't want to say his entire biopic here. Um, he's actually writing a book actually coming out in February, which he'll speak more about that. But actually, for example, he has been an entrepreneur since like forever. His, his family, his entire family, they're all filled with entrepreneurs. It's interesting. He actually left school at the age of 19 to scale his own business. And at the end of that business, he actually, uh, the revenue was about $3 million. And with his business, he was actually able to open up 500 summertime jobs for college students. And on top of that, he, uh, he's been overseeing uh, his first seven-figure business at the age of 20 years old. So basically what we're saying is that you have a guy here in his early 20s who's already handled businesses that bring in over... Three million. Uh, over $3 million. But not only that, but he's managed to help other businesses start. How many was it? Uh, actually, I do not remember. He did tell me I do not remember, but he's going to fill us all this information when, when we speak to him. Right. Now, guys, because he's been managing so many people and helping so many people build their own businesses, his communication skills are on point. So yes. we definitely wanted to bring him over, get his advice, his input on managing and communication in a management position. So if you guys are in a management management position, or even if you're in an employed position, 
pay attention to this because this is going to affect your life. Yes, yes. He deals with a lot of, he, he has dealt with a lot of difficult people. There's a lot of things that Elise and I, we speak about, right, can go in very different, in, in various directions. But Mr. Aaron Griffin here is taking it from the business type of sense. So we have so many questions, so much great knowledge that he's about to spit onto us, throw at us some golden nuggets. So Aaron, how are you? What's up? Aruz, how we doing? So excited to be here. Thanks so much for the the, uh, the the generous introduction there, for sure. No problem. We'll we'll send you the bill later, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Aaron, the first question we actually had in mind is, what is the number one tip you would say in using communication towards managing people? Oh, so you have a couple different things here. So. When we talk about communication in general, it kind of goes both ways, right? So you have the leadership uh, attribute of it, like how do you communicate as a leader? Mm-hmm. But also you have, if you're in a role where either you're in management or you are just being managed, you have you have a totally separate uh, line of communication, right? Because the overall goal, the leader is accountable for the goal, mm-hmm. but everyone on the team is responsible for the goal, right? So the communication... I guess the biggest tip I'd have for communication is the closer an organization can get to, Ray Dalio talks about this, is radical transparency, right? Being able to really call a leader out if they're not pulling their weight. Mm. But more importantly, honestly, the probably the more important thing is actually just being able to have frank discussions about how well or poor things are going and be able to adjust those things. One of the things I love about business is it's so transparent. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have you have obviously a bottom line, but there's also there's not really ways to push the blame to other people other than leadership. So when I was just mentioning, there's two different sides to it. The other part of this is obviously you got to be radically transparent. And the best way I think to do that also as an employee is you got to cut some leaders some slack a little bit, too. Right. Like when you uh, <laughs> when you have a leader in a position that's struggling. Or maybe just, you know, whatever it is, you know, maybe you just don't think they're performing as well. It's, you got to remind yourself it's very easy to criticize leadership when you're not in their shoes. So mm-hmm. I, I love what you guys do in your podcast because you kind of break down specific moments and how to communicate with people that I think it's like, it's great in terms of a lesson. So I don't know if there's one specific tip I could give for communication, but the most important thing I found from a business is just being able to be honest with each other, right? Because you can't get past that. You know, just being honest and uh, forthright with what you're trying to do and how you're doing it, you guys are never going to be able to grow past where you're at right now. And mm-hmm. look, that applies to business, but it also applies to really anything that you're working on with more than one or two people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, wait, let me ask you a question, because you mentioned a point that I wanted to touch upon. And everyone who's listening, who's probably, as Lisa mentioned, maybe uh, in, in a leadership in a leadership position or a manager or, or is planning to be, right? In your case, Aaron, we know that you've been a leader, you've been a manager for for your own business. So my, so my questions are, is basically, has anyone called you out on something? And if they did, how were you able to control yourself, control your anger and humble yourself so then... What, however, however uh, way they called you out on it, you didn't like freak out on them or or blast on them or something like that. Yeah, you know. So as a leader, you're you're. Uh, it's a great. That's a great question because you know you talk about it's actually just pulling the emotion out of the situation, mm-hmm. right? So if you imagine you're in a room and vacuum seal that room, get rid of the emotion. Mm. So if somebody's challenging you, you know, knock the ego off. 
take away everything from there that is a challenging situation. Even if, even if it's somebody that's you see it as an incorrect point, whatever it is, you got to remove the emotion from it so you can actually see it through the lens, which is important to the leader, which is how do we solve the problem? Because the when you said somebody is calling, either calling you out, whether you're a leader or just a team member, you got to remember the problem is not the person that's calling you out or the person that's getting called out. The problem is what those two people are trying to find, or, or excuse me, what those two are trying to solve, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, you're looking at it through the lens of, I think you have to, you really have to see what it is that you're trying to accomplish in the long run. And you really have to apply that towards any kind of criticism. So first thing you got to do is just remove the emotions. And that could be tough. That could be really challenging. You hear a lot of stories about companies that will scale that some of the most vital individuals that help those leaders get to, you know, the one to $5 million mark cannot help that company grow to the five to 10 or $20 million mark, right? I think one of the greatest examples of that, you mentioned we met at Bold Worldwide yeah. in New York. Um, if anybody who's listening here isn't following Brian Cristiano, uh, he's running a marketing agency in New York. And one of the things that he's got an open goal on online is to scale his business to $100 million. Yep. Well, one of the coolest things that you see online is he publishes almost everything that he does. And if you followed his journey uh, recently, he's like, I mean, he's brought on a lot of new people that are big players. Like he's bringing on totally new team members to his team because he's not going to get to where he wants to go by the way he's gotten it. So I guess going back to it, it's super important to get those challenging moments where somebody's really frustrated and they really need to address the moment. The leader's role is to make sure that we're nudging our way a little closer to that end goal, whatever it is. So suck the emotion out of it and look at it. Like you got to look at it on bias as heck because as a leader, you never really have an employee quit. You know, we have this term, it, you, you know, it's not really an employee's quitting. Employee usually just fires their leader, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to work for him anymore. And at the end of the day, that can easily, not easily be solved, but it can easily be avoided if you're trying to just look at it with perspective. So you got to know what you don't know and remove the emotion from the situation. Let me ask you uh, something based off of that, Aaron, because you were talking about um, when someone challenges you, you have to remove the emotion from the situation and just handle the problem. Could it, how would you um, advise someone? Like, let's say you have an employee who has a habit of challenging you in front of a lot of other employees. Yeah. In that yeah. moment, like, I know ideally you would say, okay, let's talk about it in private, things like that, so that it's not in front of everyone and everything like that. But in that moment where they challenge you consistently, it's important that as a leader, you also don't seem like this person that's like, everyone can just walk over. So how do you keep that line of, I'm not getting emotional and just defending my ego, but remembering where everyone stands at the same time? Boy, that's a, that's a great one. So it, it can be the situation you described could have so many variables to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one thing that I would take away from it, especially with, you know, being challenged, let's say in front of a group. Yeah. Well, the reality is, I mean, the group has to be, they have to, I, I'll pivot and I'll come back. How about this? I'll do, I'll do this. So I, I look at a, a few friends of mine who, work with another team, came up with these principles. I'll steal them from them. They, they, they did a great job coming up with these. I think they're brilliant. There's three main attributes of a leader, right? Uh, the first thing is you have to be able to set crystal clear expectations with anybody that joins the team. They have to know exactly what they're going to be doing, what their role is. There can't be any ambiguity. 
from compensation mm-hmm. to responsibilities on the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. The second thing you really have to do is you have to be able to implement systems and processes that are going to be able to maintain quality, even though you're bringing in new and different people to help grow your business. Right. So you have to be able to maintain quality and implement those systems. But the third thing, and this is, I think this is the most important aspect of this, is the vision aspect. You know, you have to be able to enroll someone in the vision of what you're trying to build. So if I build on that for a second, you know, go back to that moment somebody's challenging you in front of the group. It really is kind of a gut-wrenching moment as a leader because you really have to look back and say, kind of how did we get here to the point where someone is, when someone's challenging a leader, it's challenging the vision that the leader is uh, portraying, right? Mm-hmm. So when, you know, when, when somebody loses or leaves an organization, I should say, when somebody leaves an organization and they fire their leader or they, they don't want to work with somebody in the future, you could probably pinpoint it down to something specifically that a leader did that wound up to that situation to the point where they're willing to challenge them in front of the whole team. So how to handle it in the moment totally depends on different variables. you got to be confident with it, but you also mm-hmm. have to understand, like, you got to pull that person aside most likely right after, and there has to be consequences. Because one of the biggest challenges, I think, as, a, as an organization is that you will lose good people because you're not the leader that you need to be. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That's totally okay. In fact, that's actually preferable, right? Because as a leader, you're trying to grow. You know, um, an entrepreneur and a business owner are very similar. Entrepreneur creates and grows a business. Well, a business owner is really there to sustain the growth of a business, right? So when you look at those two roles, Mm. as I wrap this up, you you really have to ask yourself, what three priorities of leadership are you missing on? Is it a failure of expectations being set? Are the internal processes of the business or the group, the communication channels, are those not working? Or is it you as a leader, you're not inspiring somebody to go through that or towards that mission, whatever it is. So I know I gave you a lot there, but I I hope I kind of gave you a solution to to that specific situation. And ultimately, it's to look at yourself in the mirror and kind of learn from that because it can be totally the wrong person. But ultimately, it's usually the leader in terms of how they lead up to that situation in terms of who's at fault. Mm -hmm. I love this answer because you basically – you. Yes, you answered the question. So for all of you who are listening, please go back and re-listen to his answers. Very valuable because not only you're answering the question, but you're also adding other nuggets of information that's pretty important. So so I, want, I, I wanted to know, uh, Aaron, who has been like the most difficult employee you have ever dealt with? Of course, don't mention names, but like who's, who's been the most difficult and what c- effective communication techniques did you use to, to deal with the situation? <laughs> That's a great question. So over the over the year, I, I've worked with hundreds of individuals. Um, of course, like people who directly report to me, and also some that uh, you know report to our managers. Um, I don't know if I could pr- uh, point out a specific person. Um, but were you asking like w- w- repeat the question to me one more time? Yes, no problem. I I just wanted to know if you had someone in mind, like a specific employee, or maybe even like a group of people that were the most difficult employees, situation? or a difficult situation that's been the most difficult situation or person you've dealt with as because they were your employees. And what effective communication techniques did you use to deal with the situation? Yeah. yeah so um, I think there's several things here. I mean, one thing I can think of immediately is uh, anyone who works with me knows I, I don't text. 
Like, I just do not text people, like, anybody who works for me. And actually, it's <laughs> kind of funny because I feel like as, a, as an 18 to 22-year-old entrepreneur, I have, uh, I've actually kind of limited my, I, I suck at texting now because the only people I talk to for the most part are my employees. So a lot of my friends outside of my business are, they'll, they're, I'm just horrible at texting just because I just never do it. I, I always communicate by the phone. Um, and the reason I do that is because kind of like the situation you're, you're describing, right? So you have a, a team member who really, if you boil it down to, there's just a misrepresentation of expectations. You know, they're just not getting met or, uh, there's somebody who's just an active, just disengaged with the organization, and that could be an external thing with them. So it's nothing that you're doing as an organization or as a leader. There's something seriously wrong, you know, something going on outside of work. You know, somebody's in the hospital, for goodness sake. You know, some some external problem or uh, challenge that's come up in that team member's life. So when I look at those things, like, the best thing I can try to do as a leader is just to make sure that there is crystal clear communication. So. Mm-hmm. I guess to kind of answer your question, like for me, one thing I've definitely found is whenever I have uh, limited communication with either clients or team members, if I've limited the communication to electronic, email, texting, messaging, it always gets a less favorable result than when I'm on the phone because I really just think for that, we're able to actually just solve problems. You know, on the phone, we're able to put everything in context and when we get off the phone, there's a bulletproof plan as to how we're going to move forward. When we're texting, we're actually just kind of screwing around. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we're actually solving anything. So that's just one thing I think that I've just learned looking back on some of the more challenging team members, trying to solve that, you know, that paragraph text message. You know, I was 18 years old uh, running my first painting business in uh, Rochester, Michigan. And look, I had a team member. Look, I sucked as a leader. You know, I, when I started my business, I was not a good leader by any means in I still remember the paragraph text coming from one of my team members who had just left. And they're totally valid problems that he was pointing out. Now, I can choose to just totally disregard that, or I can choose to try to address it. So I remember I called him, and immediately, you know, once you get on the phone with somebody, the situation's always a lot better. <laughs> it seems so much worse over a text message. You get that paragraph text message. It's so much better when you're actually talking in person, but... I think just being knowledgeable, you know, you, you, you know that you're not going to crush something out of the park. I can totally think of somebody off the top of my head that was the, the most frustrating to work with, but obviously I'll, I'll reserve that person's name. But when I could look back on it, I think some of the most challenging work, working relationships I've had were just people that I did not communicate with in person. I think it just robs it of authenticity. It doesn't allow me to, you know, enroll them in the vision. I'm not really able to check the systems. All I can try to do is send a quick snippet that might not give the most context. Okay. I actually have two questions based off of that. Um, so the first question is like, I know maybe this is just me personally, but I had a boss in the past who used to get very emotional and very, very, um, he would take everything very personally whenever we communicated something that he didn't want to hear. Right. So it made it very much that I really did not want to call him. Because I knew if I call him, it would be an hour-long conversation or things like that. So, And I know that there's a lot of employees out there that would much prefer just to send a quick text that isn't going to get emotional. So how do you make your employees feel comfortable enough that you're not going to be, like, biting off their their neck or their head when they call and they say, like, oh, I'm not coming into work today or something like that, as opposed to them just texting it, which is 
a little less scary. And the other question I had, you can take your time to answer these, is um, how – because the business that you work with primarily is young people, right? Like college uh, age students, things like that. How do you motivate people who are – this is probably their first job or so. How do you motivate them to create a solid work ethic um, when they don't really have the experience and knowledge of what that really means yet? Yeah, so that's per- – I'll run with that one first. So um, there's a lot you could go with. I think the bottom line thing is you really – the under – and actually, you know, this applies to both of these uh, questions, actually. Um, relationships. They're the backbone of business at the end of the day, right? You have to be able to work – you know, when you're working with someone, you're working with a human being. So when you describe that situation of not wanting to call your boss, I think we've all been there. <laughs> we just don't want to pick up the phone if, he, if someone's calling. Because you just know it's not going to be a favorable conversation, right? Right, exactly. Um, I think that's more of a representation, though, of kind of the failure of the relationship entirely, right? So I don't know if I have so much of a solution to the first one besides, you know, because for me it's tough because I've I, – I, I literally once – I, once I ran a painting business, I went back to school. I got a job at a pizzeria, and I quit after three shifts. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, three shifts. It was rough. I, I did three shifts uh, at a pizzeria, and I, I, just, I couldn't do it. Same thing with a small internship I had, office gig. I literally called that sick. I felt I, I just it was horrible, right? So I I, I, I do struggle to uh, work in that capacity. Uh, so my, my my experience is limited in that that aspect of having a really tough boss. But what I can say about the the college student thing is really interesting because I actually find that young people today are very motivated, you know, just across the board. I think everyone has, you know, we're moving, we're at a really unique point in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United States and just in general, like our world is shifting from, you know, us working on factories and building things in an economy to more of the creative economy, mm-hmm. right? So so I think everyone has higher goals now. Um, so, so what we did was, I mean, my biggest challenge, one of the things I really enjoyed about my position all I did was we really had to lay out, you know, what are your goals? And when you're talking to an 18, 19, 20 year old or anybody in school, what their goals are, nobody knows. Right? <laughs> a, lot of them, a lot of them do not have They're clueless. Uh, line of goals. But what we do break down is, okay, well, what are the things that matter to you? You know, what are you trying to get? Most people, when they're getting a job, they're trying to get an income out of it. They're trying to get an experience out of it. And they're trying to get experience rolls into like the resume portion and then they're trying to get connections you know meet people through the position right so i have to figure out for them what in this position is going to lead them like how is this the best fit for them to get them closer to that goal where maybe they'd be able to achieve it if they're 28 29 30 mm-hmm. but maybe if they do this program and they get some of the experience of running their own business uh, maybe they can get there when they're 25 so that's mm-hmm. kind of how I looked at it. It's like it's really just raw challenge, you know, for us. Because we just, you know, the student painters, they provide initial capital and coaching for every one of our managers. So it, there's a lot in their hands. So in terms of the work ethic, it's totally up to the individual person. I've seen studs, people that are great communicators, uh, passionate individuals, and they just can't go knock on the door. You know, they can't pick up the phone and call a lead. There's a lot of things that, or it's not that they can't do it once. They can't do it consistently. Mm. The work ethic is crap. Just do something consistently over and over. That's how you get results in anything, right? So I guess it's just the, that would be the biggest thing is actually identifying why they're talking to you about the position that you are offering 
and literally determining is it actually a good fit for them, right? Because there's points where, look, it's just not a good fit. And that's okay, too. I'm trying to get to that point. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that, that's kind of what I was thinking with it. For sure. And... So, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, it's, it's something interesting, something you just said about like 30 seconds ago. Now, what if, right, let's say someone is a great communicator, like, like they're charismatic, they have good communication skills. In your expertise, in the years you've been in business and the different people you've employed or seen, do you, do you think someone who's a good communicator, uh, who's very char- charismatic, can speak to different people and who, 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 and who has that potential, is maybe someone who is a good a good contester to starting their own business yes or no and why and if it's a yes if it's a yes what kind of business does someone that's just charismatic should start they probably have no like skills like maybe no business skills but if they're charismatic what business should they start yeah great question so um answer is obviously yes anybody can do i've i've just from my experience I've watched people who have no business running a painting business mm-hmm. crush people who hypothetically should be much better. So having that enthusiasm, um, everything everything helps, but anybody can certainly dive into uh, running a business. So to go on the latter point, though, what specifically they should dive into, that's, you know, that's a, it sounds like it's really hard. I think it's kind of okay to not know what it is that you want to do. Um, I think one of the most important things that has come out of today's world with social media and everything is this really glamorization of entrepreneurship, which is awesome. I mean, it's pretty cool that we have some entrepreneurs that have really huge influence because overall, I think entrepreneurship is probably the most selfless thing that you can do because you're really ultimately as a leader of an organization, you, everyone comes before you at the end of the day, you have to be able to, if you're going to bring somebody on board as a team member, as an employee, you have to put them first, much more, much before yourself, right? At the end of the day, that is the responsibility of the entrepreneur. You have to keep everything rolling no matter what. Mm-hmm. So so as, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, if, if you don't know exactly what it is that you want to do, it kind of depends on really, I guess, where you're at in life. If you're in a position where you can, you know, there's not too many financial constraints, mm-hmm. maybe it's just moving somewhere and joining um, somebody that you just thoroughly Im- are impressed by and just following them in their journey and trying to get a gig central to them. And what I'm getting at here is there's that old quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. So I guess I wouldn't be looking specifically to start a business. I'd be looking to surround yourself with people that you think could help in the long run grow you as an individual. Because, you know, whether you start the business in 12 months or 12 years, that's not really important because when you're starting a business, a business is, in my opinion, the greatest thing in the world to provide change. Ultimately, that's, it's the greatest vehicle you can use to provide change in any kind of industry or with individuals. So I think the thing I would start with is, you know, who are the one or two or three people that are in your network mm-hmm. that you're just not talking to enough? How do you start talking to them more? Right? How do you start hanging out with those people? How do you start moving, you know, move in with those people, right? So you got to really look at your social circle and try to audit that. And it's not eliminate friends, right? It's, it's finding new people and growing as to what person you want to be. I think that's the first step. Because after 
after that, I think everything kind of falls in line, right? Because you could listen to, I, I, I love the podcast, um, geez, the NPR one where they talk about just how, how people build companies. Mm-hmm. And they always fall into it. So just put yourself around people that you think your parents or somebody that you really think is important to their opinion would be proud of you to hang out with. I think that's the first step. Just find people that are really passionate. It doesn't have to be a rock star, but it can be just an upgrade over somebody you're spending a lot of time with that's not being as productive. I hope that helps. Yeah, yeah that was super sure. valuable. For sure. I actually have one final question before I pass it over to Aurus. Um, we spoke a lot about from the management, the leadership aspect of communication, but what would you as a leader who has led many people before really value in the communication skills from your employees? What is like the number one communication trait that you would love in the ideal employee? Mm. So it depends on the position. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that's across all positions is coachability, right? Mm. If you're bringing somebody into any kind of position, um, look, I'm hiring that person not to tell them what to do. You know, I'm bringing them on board to tell me what to do, right? Because they have to take over the position and the responsibilities that come with it. Mm-hmm. However, you do have expertise as a leader because one of the things that I think is so important as a leader is you never want to ask someone to do something that you aren't willing to or have never done yourself. Mm-hmm. And it could be the smallest things to the largest things, but you got to be experienced as a leader and actually kind of have that background, I think, to be most, to be most effective with it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just back it up. As, an, as a leader, as a manager, or somebody that's in your organization, you have to really be coachable. I think that's the one talent, that's the one thing I look for the most. And, you know, coachability, that's, it, it, again, it's knowing what you don't know and being, you know, in an organization or working with someone to, with that intention to grow. And it kind of goes back on our last thing, our last uh, question, where it's just like surround yourself with people that you want to grow with and follow some of their habits. I think that would be the most important thing would be coachability. I, everyone who's listening right now, uh, this, I mean, everything that Aaron has been saying tonight is pure gold, this pure silver, pure gold, whatever you want to say. But the point is that if you are trying to find a job for, for someone who started their own business and you want to follow them, just like, what you just, just like what Aaron said, make sure you have the capacity to be coachable, to be humble. And highlight that skill, guys. Highlight your coachability. Highlight the fact that you're malleable, the fact that that you, you want to learn. That you want to learn that you could be influenced. Of course, we're talking about being influenced the right way, of course. But well, they're not going to be influenced for drugs and stuff like that? No, 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 no. Only good stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and, and exactly. You want to show these qualities because then where you want to get to, guess what? These people will hire you and then you'll learn along with these people who are pros, who are leaders, who are managers. You're going to learn from them because you're coachable. You're in the same track as them and you're spending a lot of time with them. And Aaron... We really appreciate you getting on this podcast today. Is there any way that if people are listening, they want to get in contact with you? What if, what what are the best ways to get in contact with you? Also, mention your book a little bit, and this is your time to promote yourself. So go right ahead. Uh, sure, uh, <laughs> not not too much crazy stuff to promote. So I just exited uh, uh, the student painter, so I'm kind of on full time unemployed, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, so I'm taking the opportunity to. Uh, travel to the West Coast. I've never been there, and I'm uh, really looking for that next journey to sink my teeth into. And my friends kind of make fun of me because I, I want to take like five months off and go travel the world. But I get so once I get in on something, I'm in on something. So I'm just going to kind of look around, see where the next step is, and kind of fly into it. The best way to follow me is definitely my Instagram. 
uh, Aaron Z. Griffin, A-R-O-N-Z like Zebra, then G-R-I-F-F-I-N. Uh, that's my most active platform. If you want to communicate with me, shoot me a DM, whatever it is. Uh, I post content on there every day for the most part. Uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, yeah, we are, <laughs> we're working on the book. Really excited about that. Uh, it's working title right now is the student painter or really we're just diving into kind of the principles and things that we followed over the last four years that helped us scale the division that I took over. Um, that was in tough shape when I got out here, but also how I actually just started, you know, how I got into my first business and some of the traits that helped. And I think it's more so tailored towards young people trying to figure out, you know, what kind of goals they want to set, whether you're an entrepreneur or you just want to use entrepreneurial tactics to win in today's marketplace. Mm. I think that's really what we're trying to focus on in the book. So hopefully I'll have a chance to come back on and maybe dive in and jam with you on something else before we get that release. That's not coming out till about February. All right. Yeah. We'll definitely do have another podcast where Mr. Aaron Griffin will be back on to, to tell you guys to help us out with more. I like what you said to give us either entrepreneurial gold nuggets or, or if you want to use entrepreneurial tactics and tendencies to win in your industry or your market. Aaron, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on this podcast. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for coming and giving all those great answers. I'm sure you gave a lot of wisdom and experience to a lot of people out there. And I hope you guys were listening and taking notes. And if not, you better go listen again, guys. Take some notes. Yeah. Aaron, any any last words? Oh, pleasure being on. Really excited for uh, the next few months. If you want to follow that journey, hit up my Instagram. Besides that, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Have a great night. Thank you.